Welcome to the Old Bridge Baptist Church podcast. We hope you find the following sermon to be edifying for your walk with the Lord. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page. You can also visit our website at obb.church for more info. Now here's the sermon. Good morning. How's everyone doing? I'm going to do a calculation as I look at the time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together around your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. We thank you, Lord, that the promises that are contained in your word will happen because your sovereignty, your faithfulness is behind it. We pray now, Lord, as we look into your word this morning, that you would apply your word to our hearts, that we would take home those things that you want us to take home from it. Encourage us where we need that encouragement, Lord. Convict us where we need that conviction. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to take a minute and look at the world today. Um, It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Russia has invaded Ukraine and is threatening the use of nuclear weapons. Russia has actually threatened that if the United States were to help Ukraine, then Russia will take it as an act of war against them. And yet, recent headlines read, U.S. provided intel before Ukraine sank Russian warship. U.S. provided intel that helped uh, Ukraine kill Russian soldiers. U.S. provided intel that helped Ukraine shoot down a Russian plane carrying hundreds of troops. And this week, Congress approved $40 billion for Ukraine. And then the U.S. military and uh, intelligence agencies assessed that North Korea could be ready to resume underground nuclear testing this month. Iran continues to threaten Israel and are moving toward developing an atomic bomb. That's the world in which we live. And of course, the world also went through COVID-19. Now, if you look at our country, we too went through COVID-19. Since President Biden has taken office, we have increasing inflation with prices skyrocketing. Gas, food, lumber, paper, you name it. AP News reports that rents are reaching insane levels in the United States with no end in sight. Food shortages. How about the lack of um, baby formula? Um, We now go into stores and sometimes see shelves that are actually empty. And there are concerns that it's actually going to get a lot worse. There's an increased number of suicides and homelessness. There are open borders, allowing entry of millions of illegal aliens, which has resulted in a lot of evil characters coming into town, into our country, with increasing fentanyl, which is killing many, many, many because of drug overdoses. Then there's the supply chain issues. We even have a newly elected Supreme Court justice who couldn't define what a woman is. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, where God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And then next verse, 
God's word says, has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Then there's the attack on our freedom of speech. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, taking down posts or videos that they consider misinformation. YouTube took down a video of 15 doctors. It was about a, over a year ago, uh, more toward the beginning of the pandemic, these 15 doctors telling how hydroxychloroquine was helping patients in their office, and yet it was taken down as fake news. Even though, by the way, the COVID-19 uh, virus was 85% the same as the virus in uh, uh, 2015, and hydroxychloroquine worked against that virus. And as we know, in the early stages, hydroxychloroquine was very helpful in fighting COVID-19. But it was taken down as disinformation. And now we have the Disinformation Governance Board that President Biden has now established. George Orwell, in his book 1984, he called it the Ministry of Truth. But you know what's even worse? It's the breakdown of our society. Movements in our country, like BLM, are pushing for policies that break down the nuclear family. We're not just talking about gay rights or gay marriage. Um, I mean, the administration's attorney general actually called Virginia parents a possible threat, terrorists, possible terrorists because they oppose the teaching of the unbiblical critical race theory being taught to their kids. Then there's increasing lawlessness. The administration not executing the immigration laws down in the southern border. How about the historic rises in murders? The summer of 2020 with massive protests, with fires and looting right there on the streets. And then there was the recent leak of Supreme Court Justice Alito's proposed draft of the Roe versus Wade decision. And then after someone actually released the addresses of these six Supreme Court justices, now we have people protesting outside their homes, which is against federal law. But what's the administration doing about it? Nothing. One attorney put it this way this week. He said, we're seeing the breakdown of civil society. So with all of this, what's it mean to you and me? How many here have ever heard of the seven-year tribulation? Raise your hand. Right? All right. It's called the day of the Lord. It's called the day of Jacob's trouble. It's called the day of darkness. It's called the day of God's wrath. You want to know what the beginning of the tribulation is like? Well, Jesus tells us. He explains it in Matthew chapter 24, verses 7 and 8, where he says, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. By the way, that word sorrows is birth pangs. It's the beginning of birth pangs. And then in verse 12, he says, lawlessness will abound. So wait a minute. Can this be that we are actually in the tribulation? I mean, nation rise against nation. Russia has now invaded Ukraine. Kingdom against kingdom. We have China and we have Iran. They're now uniting with Russia. And we have the U.S. uniting with um, the Ukraine as well as the other European uh, nations. And then we have famines. You know, this Wednesday's news headline said, millions of lives at risk as famine stalks Horn of Africa. 
Another article said, today the world stands on the brink of unprecedented famines. Jesus also talked about pestilences. You know, that includes viruses like COVID-19. Then he said earthquakes. Well, in the past 30 days, there have been about 3,700 earthquakes around the world. And then there's unprecedented lawlessness in our country. So are we in the tribulation? And the answer is no. But it seems like we're getting really, really close. Now, why do I say no? It's because there's another event that has to occur before the tribulation. And that's the subject of today's message. And the event is the rapture. The rapture of the church. Also, Daniel chapter 7, verse 29, tells us that the tribulation begins with the Antichrist confirming a covenant with many nations. In essence, a peace treaty in the Middle East to protect Israel. Finally, peace in the Middle East. Only it'll be a false peace. And then Jesus said all these are the what? Beginning of sorrows, the beginning of birth pangs. Well, this morning's reading was Revelation 6 where we saw the seal judgments. See, the seal judgments span the whole seven-year period. But the seventh seal judgment actually contains within it the seven trumpet judgments, which are worse than the seal judgments. And then the seventh seal judgment has within it the seven bowl judgments, which are even worse than those trumpet judgments. So I want you to picture this. What do we see? We see the judgments coming. The seal judgments, one, two, boom, 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 boom. And then finally we come to the seventh. And when we have the trumpet judgments, boom, 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 boom. And then we come to the seal judgment, uh, the uh, bowl judgments, boom, 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 boom. Can you picture it? They start off slower. They increase in intensity and frequency. And finally, before birth, any women have kids? Know what birth pangs are? You know, it starts every 15 minutes and slowly, and when it's about to, the baby's about to come, it's intense, it's fast. Birth pangs. Jesus called the, the birth, these um, pangs, if you will, the suffering, the, the judgments that God is putting on the earth as birth pangs. And these birth pangs are bringing in God's kingdom in, onto earth. Finally, God's kingdom coming to earth as Jesus brings it in at his coming. So what I describe today's events as is false labor. You know, false labor. Braxton Hicks contractions, if you will. We're really close, but we're not in labor yet. Oh, let me mention President Biden's recent statement. He said, we're bringing in the new world order. How many remember him saying that? We're bringing in the new world order. Could that be the final world kingdom headed by the anti that dictator uh, known as the Antichrist, who's going to rule the ten nation confederation, which was prophesied by Daniel? Is that why there appears to be in, in government a push to destroy our freedoms, destroy our freedom of speech? our freedom of religion, our freedom to travel where we want, when we want. 
because the final kingdom is going to be a totalitarian government, like the communist countries. We're in a communist country, the government tells you what you are, what you can do, what you can believe, what the, the truth is. Well, what's happening today can be very, very scary. But the question is, are you ready? And that's what motivated today's message. It's the events in our world, and the question is, are we ready? Now, given all that I've said, I want to give you a comforting message right now. And here's the passage. It's John chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. It's speaking about the rapture, Christ coming for his church. And Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Amen? Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you will be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Well, Thomas didn't know. He was a little confused. So Jesus answered and tells him, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now let's define the rapture. The actual word rapture doesn't appear in the Bible. Okay, it's not there. It's a Latin word, raptura, which means to seize or to snatch or to be carried away. The rapture is when Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ descends from heaven to gather all true Christians, to gather them up and bring them to heaven. Those who have already died as Christians and those who are living at the time of his coming at the rapture. And they'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and thus be with the Lord forever. So let's take a look at the rapture. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. We're going to start at verse 13, and we're going to be reading through a lot of that chapter in the next chapter. So let's start with verse 13. Paul writes, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. You know what he's saying? There are people in the world who have no hope. If you're not a Christian, you really don't have hope, true hope. Look at verse 14. He says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. A euphemism for they have died as Christians. They've died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, by the way, that could be everyone here, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those Christians who have died beforehand, they're going to rise first. Verse 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's the word rapture, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always 
be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort each other with these words. Now, I want to talk for a minute on those um, sounds in verse 16. The sounds that I mentioned, you know, with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. Well, it's kind of difficult to interpret. And let me tell you what J. Vernon McGee, he interpreted it this way. He said, Christ is going to re return from heaven with a shout. That is the voice of a command. That shout means a command, a loud command. It's the same voice which he used when he stood at the tomb of Lazarus, when he said, Lazarus, come forth. Well, you can just picture Christ in the air. Come up, come forth. And we all who are believers go to meet him. The voice of an archangel is his voice will be like that of the voice of an archangel. It's the quality of his voice, the majesty, the authority of it. And then the trump of God is also his voice. It's like a trumpet. Now, why does he say that? Because in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, uh, we have John, you know, who is exiled to the island of Patmos, and he wrote the following. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And then he turned to see who it was, and he saw the glorified Christ. It's the voice of the glorified Christ that's the sound of a trumpet. Or, perhaps, those three sounds are just three distinct sounds. It's the Lord's command, there's the voice of an archangel, and there's a trumpet sounded, which is oftentimes used as the uh, calling of God's uh, people, can, uh, the convocation of God's people, bringing them together. But one thing is clear. Christ's return for his church will be announced very forcefully and dramatically. And no New Testament saint will miss it. And that's the clear point of that. So these verses actually give, me, give us my first point. And my first point is the rapture is a real event. The rapture is a real event in the future, which provides hope and comfort. It provides hope and comfort. There's no ambiguity about it. I mean, the rapture is a real event. It is going to happen. Christ is going to return for his church and take true believers up to heaven to those mansions that were described earlier, all those mansions that he has prepared for us. I think about it. What a hope that is. What a hope that is. We're talking about a biblical hope, by the way. A biblical hope is a sure thing. It's not, I wish this is going to happen, because it's based on God's word, it's a sure thing. It's a sure thing that we are going to once again see our loved ones who were, have died before, who are Christians. We're going to see them again. We're going to be together again. They're alive. We'll be alive. Also knowing that we're going to be with the Lord, how long? Forever. Forever. And knowing that we're going to have a resurrected body. Anyone want a new one? As we get older, you know, knees hurting, arms, shoulders. Oh, I had a patient, I can't throw anymore. I went to throw one. We're getting older. New body, resurrected body, glorified, incorruptible, immortal. In fact, we read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 51 to 54. Let me just read it to you. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We don't all sleep. Not everyone's going to die. Could be us at the time of the rapture. 
We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, and the dead, uh, the, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, thus it shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. What a comfort. What a comfort to know we're going to see our loved ones again who are believers. But not only that, there's a comfort in knowing the timing of the rapture. And that's the second point. My second point is the rapture occurs before the tribulation. The rapture occurs before the tribulation. Now we're going to read chapter 5. Now it's important as we read this that you look at the pronouns. You, we, us, and them. Okay? So as we're reading it, you just focus on these pronouns. Look at verse 1. He says, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, who's he talking to? Believers, brethren, the believers. You believers, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pangs upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. In other words, they are going to go through the tribulation. But you, verse 4, brethren, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You're all sons of the light, sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Remember, the tribulation is the day of darkness. We're not of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Now, by the way, the sleep here is a different word, and it's literally sleeping on the job, you know, as opposed to watching and being alert on the job, okay, as Christians. So let us not be lazy as Christians, as others, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, they sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of uh, faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now look at verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath. What's the tribulation? It's the day of God's wrath. God's wrath is not upon believers. Oh, he can discipline us to try to bring us back, you know, make, make us more like Christ. But we are never under his wrath. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10. Christ, who died for us. So that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're alert for the Lord or sleeping on the job as Christians, we should live together with him. In other words, when Christ comes, it's not a partial rapture. It's all true believers are raptured. Everybody who's a true believer, born again, Spirit of God living in them, goes up to be with the Lord forever. 
Therefore, comfort one another. Comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. And so have you noticed the you and the we versus the them? When they say peace and safety, ah, the Antichrist has confirmed a covenant. We finally have peace. And they don't know it's the Antichrist, but we finally have peace. They're saying it. We're not here. Because that's the first point of the tribulation. We're gone. They say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pangs upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, you're not in darkness that this day should overtake you as a thief, for you are all sons of light, sons of the day. For God didn't appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. And then notice he ends, therefore what? Comfort each other and edify one another. And that takes us to our third point. And that is the challenge, the challenge of the rapture for you and me. Remember, the rapture can occur at any moment. Could be before we leave today. The rapture can occur at any moment. It's a call for you and me to be doing a number of things. And the first thing is the rapture is a call to fellowship. It's a call to fellowship. You and I, we're to fellowship together, attending the services of the Lord regularly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, for not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We should be gathering together, right? For worship service, Bible studies, things like getting together. As is, we shouldn't forsake it as is the manner of some. Anybody missing, by the way, from church yet today? Now, some may have a very good excuse. Some may be a little lazy as sleeping on the job as a Christian. Okay? But we should be assembling together, exhorting one another. Now, listen to this. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. We see the day of Christ's coming approaching. We're getting close because we know we're getting close because the tribulation, we're in the pre-labor, the false labor. So even more so, we should not forsake the assembling together of the brethren. Notice how it's more important the closer we even get to the Christ coming for his church. And the second thing is the rapture is a call to remember who we are. It's to remember who we are. We are God's children. We're the body of Christ. You, are, you and I, we observe, you know, you observe the, the Lord's Supper. And when we do it, we should be doing it with the rapture in mind. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. Paul says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's coming back for us. If the Lord doesn't come this week or over the next two weeks, when you have your communion service, you're going to be celebrating that communion service, being reminded that the rapture is coming. The rapture. Christ is coming back for you. It's a remembrance. Look at verse... Here's the third point I want you to get. The rapture is also a call to unity. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. We read, And may the Lord make you increase and abound to love one another and to all, not just believers, but everybody, just as we do to you, 
so that you may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. You and I are to believe, uh, love believers as well as everybody, all our neighbors. Unity is God's goal, by the way. Unity is his goal. In eternity, in the kingdom of light, uh, we're all going to be united. We're all going to be one with the Lord God, and we're going to be one with each other. God is interested in unity of his people, his children. Here's the fourth thing we need to do. The rapture is a call to endurance. It's a call to endurance. You and I are to be patient. We're to be patient. James 5.8, you also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Why should we be patient? Because God's coming is soon. Just as a farmer, you know, he waits patiently, you know, he's planted and he's waiting through the entire growing season, but he knows in the end he's going to get that crop. Well, so too, we are to wait patiently because we know that the return of the Lord is soon. He's coming for us. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now, I remember a um, number of seminary professors saying, I want to finish strong. They've done all these wonderful things and written these books, etc. And what was their goal? I want to finish strong, not grow weary in doing good. In Mark chapter 13, verses 33 to 37, Jesus is speaking about his second coming when he comes to earth, lands on the Mount of Olives. That's not the rapture, but it can be applied to the rapture. So I want you to listen. He says, take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants, to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master is coming, in the evening, midnight, the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest come suddenly he finds you sleeping, sleeping on the job as a Christian. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. We are to be looking for his coming. We're to stay alert. Don't let the Lord find you sleeping on the job. Stay sharp in your Christian life. Also, the sure hope of Christ's return, by the way, is extremely comforting to those undergoing trials and tribulations. You know, to the Romans, Paul wrote in uh, Romans 8, 18, he said, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. There is no comparison. Whatever suffering, I mean, we could be going through some suffering in the future if the Lord tarries as Christians, but it can't compare to the glory that will be revealed in us. He reminded the Corinthians, he said, our light affliction, by the way, if you want to see Paul's light affliction, read 2 Corinthians 11. <laughs> uh, and he considered that light in comparison to the eternal weight of glory. He said, our light affliction is but for a moment. It's temporary. And it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. In other words, there is reward. As if you're suffering, if you're suffering for the Lord and, and, and taking it patiently and, and doing it with the right motive, there's eternal reward. 
If you're a believer who's suffering, Paul, or Peter rather, is encouraging you to remember the Lord's uh, coming, to endure. And he says in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's the fifth thing we need to do. The rapture is a call to purity. We're to live a holy life. It's a holy life. Focusing on the Lord's return. Think about it. He could come any moment. Okay? I mean, do we want him to find us sleeping on the job? Um, doing things we shouldn't be doing? No. No. First oh, um, John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it's not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. That's our goal, right? We're going to be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And therefore, in verse 3, he says, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. In Titus chapter 2, 11 to 15, we read, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. God's grace in, in his first coming, seeing Christ come his first time, teaches us what we see in verse 12. It teaches us, God's grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, in other words, not indulging ourselves in sinful appetites, um, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly right now in this present age, looking for, watching, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. What's our blessed hope? It's that we're going to be like him. We're going to be conformed to his image. And then in verse 14, speaking about Christ, he says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Now as we come to verse 15, it's going to drive home what we should be doing, exhorting each other to, to put off sin, and uh, to put on righteousness. And why can we put on righteousness? Because we can. We're able to because of the Spirit of God in us, giving us the power to do it. So he says, speak these things in verse 15. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. In 1 John 2.8, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. We don't want to be found in a way of sinning or having the wrong thoughts when he comes. Notice what a motivation that is to godly living, because he can come at any moment. Jesus is really saying, ready or not, here I come. The sixth thing we need to do is the rapture is, call, is a call for, pers uh, for perspective. In... Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, he says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsel of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. We need to make sure that we don't have the world's perspective on judging people. You know, it's very easy to judge people according to our own standards, you know, our own opinions. Uh, but God is the one. God's the one who will judge each and every person, every service that you and I do for him. 
He's going to be looking at our actions. He's going to be looking at our motives because he wants to reward us. And if we have the right motive, the right action, there's a reward for us. There's a reward. And there's a day he's planned to do that. And God is going to look inside at why we do what we do. Seventh thing, the rapture is a call to speak out. You and I are to preach the word. Second Timothy 4.1.2. He says to Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead as appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teach. Now, although this passage is to Timothy who was a pastor, there's an application for all of us as Christians. All of us are to be ready to give a defense uh, to everyone who asks us for the hope that's in us. Why do you have this hope? Why do you have this joy? We should be giving them the reason. We are all ambassadors for Christ. This isn't our home. We're ambassadors. Where's our home again? It's up there. It's in heaven. We're ambassadors here. Okay? And therefore, we need to be winning souls for the Lord. And the scripture tells us to admonish one another, to encourage each other, exhort each other. And the next thing is the rapture is a call to comfort, to comfort each other. We're to comfort each other. It's, the rapture can occur any moment. It's imminent. There's no need to grieve over Christians who have, have died, could have been a parent, a, a loved one. I, I, I just lost a friend. Um, and yes, uh, Friday went to his uh, we went to his graveside service. Um, what a great Christian guy! We used to play pinochle together. Um, but I'm going to see him one day in glory. We're going to be together. We're to comfort each other with these words. Here's the ninth thing: the rapture is a call to to uh, be what you are in Christ. To be what you are in Christ. You and I to live like we are seated in the heavenlies, because that's where we are. We're ambassadors up there. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, uh, Paul writes, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. Boy, isn't it easy to get wound up in stuff that's going on in this world? But we're to set our minds on the things above, not on the things of earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where is he? He's there. Our life is really there. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When we receive Christ as our Savior, we are identified with him. He died to sin. We died to sin. He rose from the dead. We now have a resurrected life. We are partakers of God's own divine nature. And he's now in heaven, and we live as if we're now in heaven. The key to living the risen life is to have a life that's centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the key. Jesus, not our present world, is to be the center of our universe as believers. So what have we seen? The rapture offers hope. Rapture offers hope to the believer, hope of resurrected life, no more pain, suffering, the completion of his work in you and me. We're going to be conformed to his image. It's a comfort for me because I'm going to meet my, my love. You know, when you, you have a, um, a, the love of your life and they've been away for a while, you can't wait to see them again. Well, that's what the rapture is. 
and my personal journey um, will be complete. The work that God began in me, he's going to complete. And I will be like Christ one day. And I'm going to be rewarded for whatever efforts I've done to serve him. And all my trials will be over just like yours. And I'm going to find a, a new home with my inheritance. And all true believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, all together in the presence of God, which is fullness of joy forever. No matter what trials you're enduring right now, Christ can come at any moment. Trial's done. I don't care if it, whatever temptations, he can come and the temptation is over. No matter what tribulation is going on on earth, Christ can take us home beforehand. But you know, the rapture is not a comfort for everybody. A non-Christian friend called attention to a man in Louisiana. Said, that word Maranatha on your bumper sticker, what does that mean? He said, well, the Lord is coming. Ah, I don't believe that, said the non-Christian. Well, he's not coming for you. The rapture is for believers only. It's not just those who simply attend church because it's the right thing to do. It's whether you're a true believer. It's not because you read the Bible. It's not because you've been baptized or confirmed or any of that stuff. It's not the things we do. Because Ephesians tells us it's by grace we are saved, through faith. It's the gift of God. It's not of works that anyone should boast. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5, it tells us that we need to be perfect, in essence, to be in heaven. Perfect. He says, for he, God the Father, made him Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, Jesus was sinless, to be sin for us. He became our sins when he was on that cross. And why would he do that? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. In order to be in heaven, we have to be perfectly righteous. And the only way we can do that is to receive that righteousness as a gift. So if you've never done that, you need to. If you're watching and you've never come to Christ admitting your sin, you need to do that and receive the gift of righteousness he's offering. He'll come in, he'll start to change you, and the work he's begun, he will complete, the scripture says. We'll be with the Lord forever. Fullness of joy. Are you ready? Let's pray. Lord, the world's going crazy. Sin and lawlessness are rampant and getting worse, but you're still on the throne and in control of all things. And when the time is right, you're going to take all who are yours and rapture us out of this world before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Lord, it's by your grace that you have provided for us this comfort and this hope that we find in the rapture of your church. Lord, given the world situation, it appears that you'll be coming for us soon. And my prayer is that all who are here today are in your family so that we can, with watchful eyes, be looking for our Savior, the Lord Jesus, to come for us and take us home. And we pray these things in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old Bridge Baptist Church. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening on. We appreciate your support, and we hope you have a God-blessed day.